0: It was so stupid, bruv. Mm. Like, I remember being with Hyde, Evil Face, Trace and Fair, and it was raining outside. Mm. And we got down to Kilburn Park, and I saw my guy Hyde, like, rubbing the soles of his trainers on the floor. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, it's been raining outside. If we step on the tracks, we'll get electrocuted. So I'm just taking the water off. (laughs) You know, uh, and then we'd go and cross the tracks, and it was the biggest buzz, but it was obviously, like, really, really silly thing to do, and we were, we were 12 years old. But I remember going home that day, man, and my mum obviously knew that, that this was my mate who mm. died. Killer, killer,
1: you need the Television app. Twenty-four-seven mini documentaries, podcasts, live shows, DJ live streams, top fives, subscription packages, plus products for all your podcasts and street culture sports. Download it from the app store for free today. Instagram UK Frontline. Beatbox created. Killer
0: colour. And we need to talk about world music and street culture. Killer colour podcast. Ah. Oh, here
1: we go Ladies and gentlemen, Killer Keller Podcast Live and direct Central is you know where For you know what You don't want to be anywhere else London it is Big shout out to graffitikings.co.uk Hold tight to everyone sharing and caring, all right? Caring, doing, I like that. Caring. We don't caring. do this for our health over here. We're doing it proper for one reason only, and that is the spread of information. Um, if you've got the television app, you know what to do. Listen, inside the place, you're hearing the sultry voice of a man that not only is an overqualified radio DJ and expert on the turntables, ah. 26 to 30-something years on with mixtapes on the streets, Dizzy Rascal, Roots new Ninja Tune, Playhouse, I think we connected one time. Was, uh, listen... DJ MK What's going on, inside bro? the What's light. Going on, man? I've got to add as well, graffiti, ex graffiti writer as well. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I got into hip hop, really. It's
1: how you got into hip hop. Yeah. That's, that's that's where the trouble began. That's when the trouble began. <laughs> All the joys of my life. Yes, exactly. Yeah, a bro. blessing and a curse are these things of hip hop, it? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. For me, it kind of was a blessing and a curse, definitely. Uh, but yeah, it's something that, that I loved and. Yeah, obviously I love Graf, man. That's how I got. Mm. That's how I got into to hip hop. We're, we're recording this in Northwest London, mm. where I literally grew up a mile down the road. So I was born in Halston, grew up like Kneesden, Wembley, Cricklewood, Kilburn, those kind of areas. What was it like back in the...
1: See, we're jumping straight. You know we ain't messing around here when we get into these conversations. We've got legacy holders inside the place. Um, DJMK, if you do not know, and you're outside of the, the UK in some sort... In fact, outside the world, because this man tours like a motherfucker. Um, in fact, the last time I tried to connect to me was in Australia. or So this man does not fuck about... You know, we're talking about lineage here, but it all started in,
0: in North West, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like... I, as a kid growing up, I was always one of those kids who'd always be inquisitive. I'd always be asking questions. And I remember back in the day, Brent used to do this thing for the kids in the area where they'd give you free swimming lessons every Thursday in, in Wilson Sports Centre. So I was living in Easton at the time. So every Thursday, my mum would drive me and all my cousins uh, down Duddenhill Hill Lane into, into to, to Wilson. And I remember going over Duddenhill Hill Lane... There's a big bridge,
1: hmm.
0: and this is before Graff. This is probably like, I don't know, man, like 1980, something like that. Whoa. And I'd, I'd noticed like these political slogans hmm. and say stuff like, and it'd be all, all be left over from the 60s. It'd be like, ban the bomb, hands off Vietnam. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah, Radio Caroline forever. And I remember saying to my mum, like, Radio Caroline. Yeah, like, like, <gasps> Radio Caroline. Like, why has someone written that? And they've gone, my mum's gone, ah, oh, because, you know, Radio Caroline was a, a pirate radio station. Mm. I'm like, what's pirate radio? She's like, oh, well, when we were little, we wanted to listen to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, but Radio 1 wasn't playing it, so, so we'd God. listen to Radio Caroline. So I'm like, six, learning about pirate radio. Yeah. And going to my mum, so is that illegal? Are you allowed to, to write on the walls? No, 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 it's illegal. So then I'm just seeing all these, like, slogans thinking, why? one, why did someone write that? <laughs> And two, what was going on in their head? Like, they must have really wanted to get their point across, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get... I mean, there's no spray cans then, really. To get a paintbrush... And actually do the job. And and, 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 and to paint. Uh. But then, like, getting a bit older, you'd start to see random pieces that might say fresh or hip-hop. So I remember to go to school, I'd have to go down Neeson Lane in NW10... And where the McDonald's is there, there's the River Brent goes underneath. Yeah. And that was the very first piece I ever saw. must have been like 1983. And on one side, it just said fresh. And then on the other side of the road where the bridge was, it said hip-hop. And that just used to amaze me. I used to be like, what is that? Mm. And then you'd slowly piece it together. So then you'd be watching Top of the Pops. Top of the Pops and then like Buffalo Girls' Malcolm McLaren would come on. And then you'd see the video to that. And you'd see oh, that's that piece that I saw. It's like that. Okay, so this is hip-hop. Okay. Wow. And then electro music's coming in. Mm. And you're like, okay, so this is like the music for it. And then mm. like the electro compilations and stuff. And then obviously, 84, 85, we get Subway Art, mm. you know. And then 86, I start going to secondary school. So I was supposed to go to secondary school round here, down in Halston, right? Mm-hmm. So I was living in Wembley at the time. So if I was to go to that school, I'd have to get the 18 bus there, right? Right. Which from Wembley to, to Harleston would take you about 10, 15 minutes. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it'd be quite a boring journey and you're not really seeing much graph apart from like some what's on the bus or whatever. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But I didn't go to that school. I, got, I went to another school in like Holland Park, Shepherds Bush area. So now, rather than just taking the bus to school, I had to take the Big Met. (laughs) So from September 86, and by this time now, we've got spray can Bubbling, yeah. So with spray can art, we could see what was going on in Wolverhampton. Mm. We could see what was going on in Bristol. Okay, there's a writer called Goldie. And I was like, yeah, I've seen this guy before. Oh, he's sick. You know, Chrome Angels, Shades, writers like that. Come on. You know, and then... And that's, that's how I got into hip-hop, man. And then the minute I went to secondary school and I was getting on the Big Met every day, that just opened my world, my eyes to a world of, of, of graph and art. And at that time, the Big Met was just getting battered. Mm. So like I'm from, from, from Wembley, really. So at that time, as a writer, the first writer that I really looked up to and I was like, this guy's all city is incredible. Sir Bo.
1: Sir Bo. Whoa. Sir Bo, CD, rest in peace, rest in peace, Hold Sir Bo. Tight,
0: yep. And he lived a street away from me and he went to school with my cousin. And uh, this guy... What, was... that's bonkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, like, and I used to live near King Edward's Park in Wembley. So if, you, if I jumped over the fence of my garden, I'd be in the park. And there was a Sir Bo piece and his brother a sign. And This is like 86, 87. This is early, 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 yeah. And I was just like, Ross, I'm getting on the big met every day. I'm just seeing you know, Kiss 42, Coma, mm. CD, mm. Set 3, Buff One, Tilt, huh. Yes, I, yeah. all these guys and early sort of pieces, you know. Uh, so yeah, man, that's 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 that's, that's how I, I got into the the whole sort of hip-hop graph thing. And you thought it was going to be a basic
1: podcast today? Are you fucking <laughs> mad? Are you mad? We don't do basic round here. Uh, there's something telling about, like, just go back to the early conceptions of, like, not even graph, just general daubing of, of walls. Uh, yeah. I've never said daubing before, but I think... Gonna, That's a good word. It's good daubing. daubing. It's the sort of thing you hear councilists say, don't <laughs> you? Yeah. But uh, it's, uh, it, it certainly wasn't of any uh, integrity other than uh, Radio Caroline... Or what was the other one that's um, Tony Prince? Um, uh, oh, Radio Luxembourg, Luxembourg, Luxembourg yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Music was dangerous back
0: then. Yeah, Like, course. you had to
1: be on a pirate boat and yeah. put music out. You couldn't just... And pirate radios were also a thing, and everything orbited around the illegality of things. It made music edgy, and graph. kind of was one and the same, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of mad to think that how... How it slowly, did, it, it moved, music moved in, the, in, the, in, a, in a way that can kind of conformed, but graph still retained that edginess. I mean, arguably maybe not up to now, to this point, where we're slowly going through some levels of transition. Yeah. But, but it's true, isn't it? They, they, they
0: were one and the same, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I think hip-hop, when it comes to hip-hop, graph is like the purest form, like I said earlier, it's the, it's the purest form of hip-hop because there's no metal... There's no oh, I've got uh, my last piece did uh <laughs> it's got 3 million hits. Yeah yeah. <laughs> I mean now it kind of is that because all the writers especially the new writers are putting their stuff up on Insta which is cool mm-hmm. you know with really new writers would we'll be doing the exact same thing. But there's no reward at the end. There's there's no yeah. you do you do what you do and you do it for yourself. Yeah. You do it for other writers maybe but you do it for yourself mm-hmm. to, to to get up uh but yeah man graph up until 1990 was, was, was a huge part of my life. I loved DJing and at that time I'd always buy hip-hop as well from mm. a very young age. Not Even even before hip-hop, I'd always buy records. Like When I was young, my mum would always have the radio on. Mm. It wasn't so much the TV. I don't really care about the TV, but the radio would always be, be played. And before even hip-hop, I'd buy David Bowie records. Mm-hmm. I'd buy Prince. I'd buy... Michael Jackson, that mm. like, pop music was mm-hmm. good in those days.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, even yeah. like Tears for Fears, uh, Human League, all these that stuff on. Gary a Friday, Newman, man. do you know what I mean? All these yeah, like yeah. synth pop groups. I used to love that shit, yeah. man. I used to love that. Uh,
1: Hip hop was all inclusive anyway. I mean, some of the r- more rare groove soul and and you know drum and bass leans itself to a hell of a lot of it. It's it's actually one and in, its influences are very. Very vast, aren't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. They kind of, they kind of suck up the surrounding pop culture and reinterpret it. Mm. That's the best bit about hip hop for me was that it, you know even a remix of something that a hip hop remix is yeah. like yeah that's that's hip hop essentially. Yeah, it's yeah, just that yeah, it's yeah, commentary, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking bonkers. Exactly. What it's did not... you used to write?
0: Uh, I <laughs> listen. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not going to that one out. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to tell you my first tag because it was just too embarrassing. In fact, I'll tell you a true story, right? So it's 86. Like, I'm now going to secondary school. So I'm meeting other writers who go to my school. And I start to have a tag. First time I ever wrote, uh, wrote, wrote a tag or attempted to write a tag was on the Little Met going home. I caught an empty. And I was like, right. Go, go, like, go. the pen I had was terrible. The nib was about this big. I remember I did it. And the first thing that I noticed was, Damn this is really hard to do because the tube's going like this. <laughs> and I looked at the tag and it was so pathetic. Like I actually like just dogged myself. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> so it wasn't yeah, the one. Yeah, I yeah, was going to delete that. But I kept that it. So for the first year, 86 <laughs> to 87, I was just a proper toy. And b- by the way, like obviously I'm a DJ and I was nothing <laughs> compared to, like there was a little year or two where I, I was up do you know what I mean? Mm. But compared to the legends that you have on this channel, you, I was nothing. Do you know what I mean? But this is, like, my story. So, like, yeah, first year, I was just a total toy, getting to know, like, the the rules mm. uh, of graph. Uh I was a semi-decent writer. And then there was a kid who went to my school who I didn't even know wrote at the time, a writer called Hyde from Kilburn Park, yeah, I- yeah. Irish kid. And... Uh, he introduced me to uh, a writer called Trace, a writer called Fair, who was another writer called Artist, who was a big writer in Kilburn. Yeah. Artist, he was, that was his brother, and Evil, Evil 87. Hold tight, Evil. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, so like, Evil was like a year younger than us. He was 11, and we uh, we were a year, year older. So we were 12, and like, we just hang around Kilburn. We'd meet up literally every day, Kilburn Park, We'd go up Covent Garden, rack in. Like, John Evil, he'd always have a, a rucksack with him and he was, like, the sickest racker. So, like, he'd be our guy and he was, like, a year younger. So, like, he got he away kind of got more, away with it a bit. More leniency. Yeah, so we used to do that. Like, go out on missions, go Baker Street, grab an empty Watford or Uxbridge. I remember us going Watford, like, battering the insides, like, I think, from Harrow... Till, I think before we got to Moore Park, we had solidly empty all just like battering the inside. I remember pulling up at Moore Park and then the doors didn't open. I remember the the, the driver announced, Yeah, the doors won't be opening. Uh, British Transport Police have been called. There's been acts of vandalism on the train. I remember we were like, No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but
1: that was us. So then we all <laughs> had
0: to bounce out of the emergency exit. I remember just as we all came out, like, uh, BT's come, and then we had to walk. It took us what seemed to be like five hours, but obviously we couldn't go back to the tube mm. station, so we had to walk to Rickmansworth. Oh sh- And that took us like like yeah yeah five hours. That's a mish. Do you know what I mean? But then that was that was that was the life, man. You were born into the game. Yeah 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 yeah. But, That's bonkers. But then, yeah. Sadly, the day before my birthday. Uh, November, November the ninth, I think. I remember going to school, and seeing my man Drone, who was a writer from around here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, he was the hardest kid in my school, and he had tears in his eye. And I was like, "What's up?" So and he was like, "Yeah, like John's died." I was like, "What?" He was like, "Yeah, man, he's died." I was like, "I was with him two days ago." Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And he was like, "No, no, 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 like." He's gone gone. And then I remember seeing like Like the newspaper Like the Evening Standard And his face was on it And it said like Like he died And that was just like Like devastating to us Because we had our friend who died Hmm. Age 11 Do you know what I mean? 11 Uh, years old Yeah man Died
1: Uh, from graph
0: Yeah 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 So basically We used to do this thing At Kilburn Where You go down and Kilburn Park, bro, like I can't tell you, Kilburn Park, Warwick Avenue, that little segment of the Bakerloo, it was like the Bronx. Like, it was battered. Mm. I remember going to Kilburn and seeing pieces, not just tags or throw-ups, but pieces oh. on the other side oh, wow. of, of the yeah, wall on the platform. Yeah, yeah. So that train used to pull in, we'd jump on, and on at Kilburn, opposite where the platform is, there'd mm. be like little kind of holes where they'd leave equipment, you know, train, parts, I don't know. But you could cross the tracks.
1: Go into the alcoves, Go them. into
0: the alcove. The train would pull in. You had a spray can. You could get a dub up. You could batter it. So that's what we do. And we'd all take it in turns to do that. So someone would jump on. Say there'd be like five of us. Someone would jump on, hold the doors. People would be battering the insides. Whoever was on the other mm-hmm. side would be doing their thing. You'd hold the doors for as long as possible mm-hmm. until the driver mm-hmm. physically got out of his carriage. Or announce yeah, you know what's
1: right, happening,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh and then yeah, you get up and that'd be it. And uh yeah, with, with, with John, like uh yeah man, he 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 got dragged under, you know, which was which was which was like no, this this subject has come up a couple of times.
1: Obviously, with Steam and a whole handful mm. of others. Big up, shout out to Steam, yeah. man. Every time, yeah, shout I know you're a Steam. fan. I know that was yeah, a man. really big podcast for you. Obviously, because of the the the, the fault lines that lied within that crew is such a such a seismic um, organisation. But um, yeah, he mentioned the the evil um, story, and it's. Um, Again, just highlighting, super important, do not try that shit at home, people. You know what I mean?
0: Listen, like, that could have been any of us, man. That could have been any of us. And, like, looking back, it was so stupid, bruv. Mm. Like, I remember being with Hyde, Evil Face, Trace and Fair, and it was raining outside. Mm. And we got down to Kilburn Park, and I saw my guy Hyde, like, rubbing the soles of his trainers on the floor. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, it's been raining outside. If we step on the tracks, we'll get electrocuted. So I'm just taking the water off. <laughs> you know, oh. and then we go and cross the tracks and it was the biggest buzz, but it was obviously like really, really silly thing to do and we were, we were 12 years old. But I remember going home that day, man, and my mum obviously knew that this was my mate who died, mm, you mm. know. And I remember opening the door and she had a copy of the, the newspaper in her mm. hands and she was in tears. She was like, I don't want this to happen to you. I don't want you to die. Your friends just died. Do mm. you know what I mean? And then, yeah, I remember loads of us. We just gave up. We just gave up Graph, Because man. You, it
1: was just – that was just enough of a trigger. Yeah,
0: it's like we mm. love hip-hop and we love Graf, but our mates just died. Do you know what I mean? So I remember I think that even maybe that day – about twenty of us went down there. We all had our pens, and everyone threw their pens mm. at the spot where, where, sadly, evil, evil passed. And uh yeah, like I stopped writing for a good, like, six or seven months. Loads of writers never even continued after, man. Really? But yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. saw that that wave
1: of remorse, and and they they just did not want to be a part of it anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think out of respect as well, a lot of yeah. writers stopped writing for a
1: while. Reality sink, sinks in, and unfortunately for the for the ones that fall, that's just
0: a it's, it's bitter isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But big shout out to TU man, because at the time, mm. like me growing up, like like TU 147 crew, mm. like writers like Chico. Old-type first, old-type uh, surfing, type. uh obviously like Steam, mm. Krez, like those guys were just Getting up next level with tags, pieces, dubs, and they were just they were just taking over, man.
1: Um, you tell me, you said to me about a uh, you know designated trains that were exclusively for T.U. Yeah, you so, mentioned this. So like, we I said, on. Like,
0: like I said, like like I was a writer. Like I said, I was nothing compared to to the kings that you have up here. But I only went yard like three times. Wembley Sheds, which was so easy to <laughs> do because you walk down 40 Ave, you go up the little thing and then there was a door, which mm. always seemed to be open. Mm. Uh, and I think I did Neasden like, once. But I remember when I did Kneesden, like, writers t- who I was with were saying, like, I think at Neasden at Ricky's, mm. there's trains you weren't allowed to do because they were reserved for TU. That is so Do gay. you know what I mean? And I used to be like... Oh, <laughs> touching those trees. You know I mean? <laughs> op- no yeah, man. The
1: formidable force. I mean, yeah. Steam was a the, the
0: boss of of that, of the whole era. He, he was, was the general, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, wow. Well. It, it was exciting times. And looking back as well, like, Graf, and I think a lot of people that really clock this, Graf moved forward so quickly. Mm. Like, if you check out the, the tags and the pieces from like 87 times, and then even a year later, 88... percent Like, the style's changed totally uh. with less straight letters. It's more rounder stuff. Uh. And the colours are getting better. People maybe have got access to slightly better paint. Uh. But because I was going to school, five days a week, I'd be on the Big Met and I was seeing everything and it was just like, oh my oh God. God. I might add to that as well...
1: Uh, for for that lineage, check out rockinacity.com because yeah, you, you start some. at the top and literally it like you go from 87 to 88, yeah. and then next is yeah, a huge yeah, jump yeah, from 89 yeah, yeah, to 90. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like the colours and contrasts and the t- yeah, yeah, just yeah. techniques are just yeah. upgrade
0: yeah, real yeah, quick. Yeah, don't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. No, totally, man. And uh yeah, just seeing crews like we rock hard, like 87 <sighs> is when I really started to see like like Robo, but mm. one of the first tags there was a Robo tag, Robo four eight four, I think, tagging in Wembley, which was there from like really early, like nineteen eighty five, and I used to look at this Robo tag, and I was like, what does this even say? And then I worked out, it said Robo, and I was like nah. <laughs> and then like dudes like Drax, world domination, and just seeing next levels of things being battered, and then come summer of eighty eight, was was when the big met was just. Crazy, mm. you know, my cast writers like that, mm. and it was, it was, it was, it was, it was mad, so, man. I, yeah, to have been there, you're one lucky man, yeah. I swear. But because I wasn't writing, then and I, and I gave up because of what happened. I still was go, going to school with graph writers, I still loved graph, I still doodle away, uh, but I'd have a camera mm. and I'd take photographs. Mm. So it's quite funny because a lot of the photographs... I mean, look, back in the day, we all used to trade photos, right? Yeah. We all used to trade negatives and stuff. But I see loads of photographs that are up and I'm like, I took that photograph when I was 13 That's hilarious. School. Do you know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. Because you
1: were trading the negatives and then they get them developed and before you know it, you don't know what's yeah, yours or
0: yeah, what's yeah,
1: not yeah, and then yeah. you see it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Social media has a way of... It's like everything's a positive and a negative. Yeah. But one thing that's awesome is sharing the uh, the nostalgia and the stories, yeah. isn't it? Bruv,
0: I remember being, going to school... Coal Crush Dukes top to bottom whole car I've comes seen that. in. That's cold. And like, that was the very first time I saw a top Mad. to bottom whole car, like, and obviously foam cast. Mm-hmm. And I was just, they had like the buildings and the characters. And I was like, oh. yeah, yeah. I remember getting in that train. And as the first time I ever got on a train. It felt godlike, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, but what you got to remember <laughs> as well, when you get in a train that's got a, a top to bottom on it, the whole inside of the carriage is now dark.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a
0: bit of a weird, yeah. surreal
1: feeling. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And and it's not what it looks like on the front, because everything, everything's on reverse, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so yeah, you yeah, just yeah, get yeah. nothing but like mad colours and you're thinking, what the fuck is this? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But then uh, come sort of summer of 88, I started writing again. Did you? Yeah, yeah, man. I got the game drew, <laughs> drew me back in. So I started <laughs> started writing again. I had a new tag, which I never got done for, so I'm not gonna tell you what it no. was. Uh And then, yeah. I love,
1: I love that you did it again and you've got a name that we can't even mention. That is so good.
0: (laughs) Okay, come on, come on. So, yeah, so then I started writing, got a bit better, started getting up more. And then, uh, yeah, that all got put to the end. Saturday in January 1990, I. Went to Groove Records with my mate. Went and bought the records. I had a haircut before that. Hold tight. Went to the West End, bought my tunes, came back home. And then as I'm putting the keys through the door, my mum's opened the door. So I thought was a bit strange. Hmm. And I always remember the look on her face, man. It was like a, a look of disgust, disappointment and sadness. And I'd never seen my mum's face like this. And I remember, are you all right, mum? like, what's, what's going on? And she was like, yeah, CID's just been at our house. Because come in, brought me up to my room. CID just come in. In the room? In my room, yeah. And I was like, because I had a box, a briefcase, mm. where I'd have all my pens and stuff. And had a key in it so my mum and dad could never. Yeah. And it was smashed open. I was like, no, no, no yeah. they do me for this, you know. And then I clocked it with CID. So CID don't care about graph. No. So basically, I was a stupid kid. I got caught up in some dumb we'll say drugs related stuff. And uh yeah, they done me for that. And then next thing I know, they sentenced me uh to go Felton. And I was in Feltham for yeah, like three months. And this is in March nineteen
1: ninety. So how old are you?
0: i just turned 15. Oh, well, that's a bit So, late. so if you go Felton, I think the age is, is like 15. In, the, in those days, it was 15 to 21. So I remember, yeah, going court, and I remember my solicitor, lawyer, whatever, he was like, oh, this is your first offence. You know, you, you're going to be fine. You're mm-hmm. going to be fine. You're going to get off, blah, blah, blah. And I went to Marlborough Magistrates. I was 15 years old. And then, yeah, they go, right, guilty, send them down. Next minute, I'm in the holding cells below, thinking, what what the hell's going on? Like, this- Out of body, what the fuck am I yeah, doing Yeah, this is some surreal stuff. And then the lawyer comes, he's like, no, 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 no. It's going to be cool. You're going to be going to an open prison, whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. Hmm. So, hmm. Yeah, it's my first offence. I'm yeah. going to be going to Felton or somewhere or like yeah. that. So yeah, I'm going to go open prison. That's fine. Cool. You know. So then... You know, they've got you in cuffs or whatever. They put you in sort of like a van. Mm -hmm. that's like a police van, but Mm -hmm. it's got these individual cells and everything's Mm -hmm. blacked out. And we start driving. I'm like, where are we going? Like, no one's told me anything. And then our clock, we're going towards South London. And then our clock, we're in Brixton. Mm. Like, what are we doing in Brixton? All
1: roads lead to...
0: So then they let you out. And then they put you in another holding cell where basically they get all the kids from South London who've been to youth court. So then I'm there, and the thing is, I'm there in a suit. Like I've had to go to court. You're fresh out. So my mum's gone. You've got to make a good impression on the judge, right? Yeah, of course. So I'm there in like a suit, like my 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 confirmation suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. My Catholic days. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And obviously everyone there. Isn't wearing a suit? They're wearing track suits or whatever. And I was there with my mate as well. So we're both, my mate from Grove, so we're both standing out like sore thumbs. Oh, man. And then I remember it's like 15 geezers in there. I'm 15, so the majority age was like 18 or 19. So I'm like a kid. I'm like, nah, man, this isn't good. Anyway, this kid walks in. Kid. He's probably about 19. Bruv, he robbed everyone in that cell. He was just going around, and like I was clocking that he wasn't even like the biggest guy, mm. but everyone, for whatever reason, seemed fearful of the of of this guy, you know. Yeah. And he comes up to me and he's like, "Yeah, give me you know, give me your shit. Now, my thing was at that time in in London, sort of between eighty seven and, and, and ninety, like it was a very violent time, like street robberies and stuff. You Different know, world, yeah. Yeah, there was no CCTV. So it, it was it was pretty violent. Uh, and people had tried to rob me in the past. And I was just one of those guys. Oh, Stupidly, do you know what I mean? You, you can do whatever you want to me, but I'm not giving you my shit. Like, I remember one time I was on the Big Met. Me and my mate tried to take his trainers, tried to take my watch. We weren't having it. We got rushed by like 16 guys. For like three stops on the tube. Really? Do you know what I mean? So anyway, so this guy's like rubbing everyone, comes up to me, yeah, give me your shirt. I was like, look, brother, I ain't got nothing. Goes through my pockets. He's like, right, your watch. Give me your watch. I was like, nah, I'm not giving you my watch. He's like, Give me your fucking watch, you fucking pussy old, oh, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Hmm. Like, I'm a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's big man. He's yeah, like, and you're already in this, you know, shit. So I give him my watch. and I'm just like, shit, man, I've never been robbed. That's my mum's watch. My mum gave me that watch, like, this ain't good. You know? one, yeah. So anyway, so then a screw comes in, reads out a couple of names, reads out my name. It's like, right, you're out of here, come. So we go out, and I'm like, I can't grass on him because I'm not a grass. Mm-hmm. But I can't fight him because he's bigger than me. Yeah. But I'm not leaving here without my watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then I just didn't move. Screw, I remember he was some Scottish guy who was like, hey, Come on, you fucking bastard. Come on, straight out porridge, innit? Yeah, yeah. Shit. And I was like, Oh, no, I can't. I took my watch off and I've dropped it. Ooh, okay. I go, I need to find my watch. And then that the kids who, who took it, he just threw it to me like that. And then I did something really fucking stupid. Uh-huh. Because. I don't like bullies, bruv. I don't like that shit and I never like that shit. So I got my watch back. So I'm thinking, yeah, I'm getting out of here. You, man, are staying here. Hmm. I mean, you just tried to rob me. So I put my watch back on. I looked them in and it's like, and I went, you fucking pussy hole. (gasps) uh, For
1: those that are listening and not watching, (laughs) that was a a hand gesture uh, followed by your fucking pussy hole. Yeah.
0: So then I walked out (laughs) and this guy's screaming at me, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, ha, ha, ha. So then I was like, he's staying here, I'm going wherever mm. they're sending me, right? Yeah. So then I will get back on the, the lorry mm. prison van or whatever. And we're sitting there, whatever, you've got your handcuffs on so and uh getting ready to go. And I just hear like the screaming that seems to be getting nearer and nearer. And it's the guy who just robbed me. What the v- And I just hear these screams of I'm going to cut you. I'm going to stab you up. I'm going to do this, blah, blah. And next thing I know, the geezer's on the fucking yeah, yeah, bus. Yeah. He's on the van. And he's sitting there with you. And he's sitting behind me. And I'm like, nah, man, Like, I'm going to get killed. Like, because this guy's going wherever I'm going. Yeah, yeah. And it's... He's already breathing down your neck. Yeah. And from Brixton Police Station to Feltham, which is where we, we were going to, took about a two-hour long drive. It's so a yeah. long drive. And bro for two hours, that guy was just telling telling all the different ways. He's gonna kill me, he's gonna torture me, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so oh, then sure. I remember arriving there thinking, this is not good, man. <laughs> this is not a good situation. Yeah. So then they process you, whatever, and then they put you in another room, and this guy's he's sitting opposite me still screaming this is like four hours later he's still screaming how he's gonna kill me he's gonna do this to me he's gonna do all this stuff and then i remember another guy who sitting beside me he's like "Bro, listen don't worry like, what do you mean don't worry he's like this how old are you i'm 15 like, he goes look at him how old is he i was like i don't know 1920. 19 20. he's like look he's not gonna be in your wing you're not gonna be at the same place because mm. they put it mm. by age group i right, okay so then luckily his name was called and then uh he went off to whatever his wing was and I went to my wing, which was, like I think, 15, 17-year-olds. Uh But then, yeah, man, that, that, that was, like, the best and worst thing that ever happened to me because when I came out of there, I realised how easy it is, one, to go to prison and get on the wrong side of the law and go down that path, mm-hmm. and two like how easy it is to kill someone like Mm. i met so many people in there that just got into a fight and they punched someone and that person smacked their head on the corner and died Mm, just Just, things like that yeah or you know
1: stuff like that I, i think about things like that a lot i've never been a violent person but you know when you see when you hear stories of like people getting into fights and stuff i often think to myself
0: you're tampering with death yeah, old, every yeah, time, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but as a 15-year-old from from, from, from Northwest London, like I said, it'd be violent times, so people would try and rob you and people would try and step to you. And being into hip-hop as well, mm. do you know what I mean? You, Comes with the territory a bit. Yeah. yeah uh, but I'd be, I'd, I'd, always be ready to fight. I even like fighting. Mm. But the minute I came out of Feltham, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not... I'm not doing any of that. And then that's that's how I got into DJing. But I was very lucky as well because at that time Felton was like it was the most dangerous place you could be as a yeah, kid. Yeah, man. I remember that in the news and shit. That was
1: a, a real thing. Yeah. Felton and, was like feared.
0: Yeah, because you had the screws mm-hmm. who'd be doing whatever, but also the bullying. The torment. Yeah. I think I think when I was there, there was f- fifteen to twenty suicide attempts a week. <sighs> you know, uh, and I remember by the time I got in, luckily I had a cell to myself as well, which was which was very lucky. So I didn't very lucky. Well, wow. uh, and I remember coming down the first day, sort of onto the landing, and you kind of meet everyone, and you're th- you're thinking that it's like because you've seen films, isn't it, of where okay, this person's gone Inside, and then mm. they've come out, and everyone's looking at them, everyone's clocking. you be, be then, kind of thing, yeah. And it was kind of like that. And I remember this guy called Brian, who was like running the wing. This guy must have been like six foot six, bro. like mountain of a guy. And he comes up to me, uh, and I was like, nah, I don't know, I'm trying to hold it down, apart. hold it together. And he was like, yeah, you're from Wembley. I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, blah blah blah. Stop it! And I was like, and I, I just thought, yeah, I do know that person. I was like, yeah, I do. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're safe. You're safe. Goes. Any. You need anything in here? Come, come see me. And then me and him became mates. So, oh, mate, blessings. So my my time mm. like in Felton, it was to, it was totally cool. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't cool because I was there and I saw loads mm. of horrible stuff. Mm. That was What's happening the most
1: horrible to, thing you saw?
0: Uh, the bullying man Like it was It was relentless Like first of all If you, if you, were, if you were in Feltham And you weren't from London okay. that's, that's it man You were just a target I remember seeing guys I remember seeing, meeting one guy who's from Australia Who was like at a rave And he had like five pills on him And then he got like a two year stretch
1: for that two years yeah you yeah. Felt them. yeah 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 Pilks. yeah but this is like 1990
0: so you know someone had died from it previously mm. so they're trying to set an example uh yeah yeah but yeah i mean to be honest i don't i don't really want to say a load of horrible violent shit that i saw mm. you can kind of like you can think up, of that yeah. for yourself but the, the mental bullying and torture of people who were nice guys but they were weak and mm. people could see through that like, weakness so I remember the thing that they do if you're being bullied, they make you sing lullabies. So lights would go out, I don't know, 10 o'clock or whatever. And then I remember the guy who was running the wing, who I was cool with, he didn't like some guy. It's this guy they call fish because he had a face like a fish. <laughs> and bruv, they'd make him sing the lyrics to lardy-dardy. Slick Rick and Dougie Fred. Yeah? Yeah. So this guy made him, like, memorise these lyrics, and he had to sing him to sleep every night. And if he forgot a lyric, if he... So this poor kid, and he's some, like, w- white kid who's not, not into Australian. hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. Now he, he wasn't the Australian one. This is some uh, other right. guy. So he'd have to sing. And you'd hear this poor guy, like, going, Dolly. We like to party. We don't. Ca- mm. and he's got louder? Sing it louder. We don't cause trouble. Mm. We don't love it. And then this guy would just get the shit kicked out of him the next day, like if he made it out of there alive, I'd be surprised, man. Wow. So Fuck. Yeah, like like the bullying in there was, was 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 terrible. And like I said, like kids would literally they'd rather end their life yeah, yeah. than than be there. Of course because you know? it was really constant. Yeah. So, so then I remember going out of there yeah. and I remember you got, a, you know, they give you your stuff that you came in with or whatever. I remember I had to sign whatever. And again, it was a Scottish screw. It was always Scottish screws, yeah. And I was like, right, see you later. And he was like, oh, we'll be seeing you soon. I was like, I ain't coming back here, bruv. He's yeah. like, oh, that's what they all say. We'll see you in a month's time, you know. But when I left there, like I said earlier, mm. I thought, I'm just going to, like, I've seen so much negative stuff, you know, and this is hmm. the the bad path, you know? Hmm. So I was kind of glad that I got nicked for doing some stupid shit as a 14-year-old, really. Yeah, rather than a 21-year-old. Rather than a 21-year-old where i am now I've got two years to do in Brixton. And you didn't expect
1: it to have happened. That's the other thing as well from accounts that you tell of right now you come from a nice family yeah you 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 you, there was no good reason for it to have transpired
0: or spiraled out of control yeah exactly in that sense so exactly so when i came out i was like i love hip-hop i'm gonna get decks i'm gonna be a dj i love cash money i love jazzy jeff Mm. you know used to love obviously like westwood you know dj's like that rampage do
1: like, you do your westwood impression
0: go on <laughs> no, 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 go no, on no, please no, do no, it please avenge no, 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 it to no, go. No. the best chat to chat to Tim, man. <laughs> uh so that's it mm. so then i spent a year saving up saving mm. up i'd do a paper round at 5 in the morning before mm. school i'd do any odd job to get money together got 320 pounds <laughs> together went down the athero road which is where they mm. used to sell the decks at the time with my mum. I bought two Sound Lab decks. Lab, come a made, on. And a made-to-fade mixer. Now, if you ever had Sound Lab decks, they're the worst decks in the world. Made-to-fade was kind of the mandatory kind of home <laughs> yeah. mixer, wasn't yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So then I just taught myself how to mix. I didn't know anyone who was a DJ. Uh, and then i just make myself these mixtapes, which then at the time I was going to college down the road from here in St. Charles College in Abbott Grove. I remember one day a kid was like, what are you listening to? I was like, oh, I've just got decks." You know, so you were listening to your own mix? I just listened to my own mix. You know, I mean, maths or whatever. And I've got, you know, my ear layers. I'm listening to music. He's like, oh, what's this? Oh, I did a mix. So he's listening to it. It's a kid called Darren. And he's like, "Bro, this is sick. He's like, can I have a copy? He's like, I'll give you a fiver. I was like, all right. So then he gave me a blank tape on a fiver to dub him that copy. Mad. And then... I've got something here, <laughs> and then, and then, the girl. There's this girl called Sola, I think. She was sitting beside him, and then she was. She wanted a copy, and then this next girl called Christine. She wanted a copy of that mix that I'd done. So then I thought yeah. to myself, "Hold on a second, stop giving me blank tapes, and I'm having mm. to dub it." What I'm going to do is, I'm just going to just make a mixtape and then just mass produce that. So that's what I did, and then next next thing I know. I sold 500 copies just in college and around Lubbock Grove. This is like 1990, <sighs> 1992. You were, you were Q from Juice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you
1: yeah. You, were, you were really doing it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight out of them
0: straight into the decks. Yeah, just no, like no, exactly. It. But at the time I used to go, Groove Records closed in October 91 and then they opened up in Covent Garden, a sound source. And two guys, Ben Dom and another guy actually called Rhythm Doctor, they ran the shop. Uh, but there used to be a guy called Fraser Cook who, shout out to Fraser, has now gone on Fraser. to do huge things with Nike and stuff. But he was a guy who used to go over to New York a lot and he used to come back with mixtapes and he used to come back with like G-Bo the Pro Ray Double R mixtapes, uh, Kid Capri, I think early do wop. So I was listening to these guys. Also, shout out to Four Star General to George. Whole tight Four Star General. Because even in the 80s, I used to go and check him and he used to sell Red Alert. He had the he had the bits. Radio show tapes. Mm. So you were getting this culture of hip hop and of mixtape culture, the early mixtapes that were coming in and the radio shows. So you were able to hear these guys mm. like cutting up. And that just blew my mind, bro. Like I was just like, this is what I want to do. Do you so know then, where that is for, for, for you to discover that when no one else really knew? Yeah, like, how would you? No. Unless you knew, and then like I knew some guys from Grove and then they'd have people who would do the same thing. Mm. So I remember like, like my mate Cuckoo, he had an early like Stretch and tape from like 1990. Mad. And we're like, wow, there's these guys on college radio playing mm. like mad hip hop and stuff so that's that's, and obviously, I was too young to DJ in clubs. I'm like 16, 17. Oh, yeah. so I was like, right, mixtapes, mixtapes, so then I started selling them in college, and then I'd do like another volume, and then at this time, you know we're like seventeen years old, kids would have parties, house parties around here, hmm. like Harleston, Kensal Rise, so then I'd DJ at all these house parties,
1: which tell we, the story that you said to me about the the rave. And oh, yeah, 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 That was cold.
0: So, so at this time, getting into sort of 91, 92, like, like, raving is huge. So you've got a large group of people who, you, who were into hip-hop previously mm. in the years before, but they now discover the ecstasy, you know, trips and, and, and go into these raves. Now, at that time, I was really obviously into hip-hop. And apart from, like, smoking weed, drugs, do drugs aren't yeah. cool. So I'm seeing all these guys doing pills and acting mad. And I'm like, that's not for me, man. Mm. Anyway, this kid who lived in Acton, he was like, you've got to come to a rave. You've got to come to a rave. You've got to experience it. Like It's wicked. I was like, bro, I don't like the music. You, man, do drugs. I don't do that. Like Mm. It's not really for me. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, no. So he called me up and he's like, there's one in Northwest. It's this group called Spiral Tribe. Right, cool. So literally it was two streets away from here. And that was the first rave I went to. And I remember it was sick. Like, it was this huge house, which they just took over. And it was like a free party. Uh, and then it got raided by the police. Dogs, loads of vans come. They took the sound system away, arrested a few people. This is like one, two in the morning. Like half an hour later, there's a new sound system. The party's back on. <laughs> and I remember that party then went on for three days. I left that party at eight. About eight in the morning, on the first night. On the first night, right? And then, because I think that was a Sunday night, and then mm. Monday, I, I had to go to college, so I went straight from that party here in Kensal Rise, just walked straight down Harrow Road, walked over to Harrow Road to Lubbock Grove, <laughs> and went straight to college. I remember my mate saying to me, uh, "Like, how 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 are you awake? Like, you not <laughs> you're not tired? <laughs> You've just been raving no. all night." And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, I was drinking loads of water and stuff. My mate was like, yeah, you know that water had like speed in it. <laughs> I was like, what? Because I don't uh, want to do speed. He's just like, doing water all night. So I'm just drinking this water. I just got bloody <laughs> speed in it. So come like three o'clock where it's nearly time to go home, Like I just felt terrible. Yeah. And I was like, right. I've had my experience of raves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know I mean, but that was down the road from here, bro. Uh, but yeah, I I, uh, I had my my share of like going to raves or whatever. But it was it was all about hip hop and <clears throat> trying to push these mixtapes, mm. you know. And and push you did. Like we talk about
1: you know social media content and stuff yeah. like of the of the new age, bro. Like you were one of the first people that I had ever. Um, uh, 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 before we were even friends or even knew you this was it was an it was an energy about what you were putting out and you would find any opportunity to expose the mixtapes whether it be advertisements but you I always remember you being so proficient at content creating you were always if there was a guest that was on the radio show, you would bring them in and... Well, you'd go to a venue. I, I remember seeing at venues with dictaphones. You were doing
0: it. Yeah. You would get ID drops. You were always yeah, thinking of yeah, yeah. Ford. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, with the mixtapes, I'd listen to the New York DJs and mm. they'd have shout-outs. Mm. So I was like, I need to have shout-outs from all the oh, hip-hop yeah. celebrities. And I didn't know them. How am I going to do this? So then I thought, journalists... They're the ones who do the interviews. Journalists, yeah. So then I found out, and at that time, I was working in Handspun Records. Hold tight, Handspun Records. Yes. <clears throat> and I have to say, like, a special shout-out to Peter Bond, Peebo the Pro, type who P. owned Handspun Records. Mm. Originally, it was a shop in Camden, then it moved to Notting Hill. That's it, yeah. Uh, and I remember this kid called Loco, this half-Spanish, half-Cuban kid, who was a good friend of mine at the time. I was at college, and he he comes up to me and he's like "Bro, he goes there's a hip hop shop in in Grove like in Notting Hill called Handspun Records like we should go down there you might be able to sell your mixtapes now at that time apart from around Grove I was selling my mixtapes in maybe like four shops mm. like all local and
1: the majority at university as well because you were in and about yeah people yeah, yeah. followed you as, as you
0: know. yeah uh, <clears throat> and then this guy telling me about Handspun Records so I go down there and meet this guy called Pete and again I'm like 17 you know and he's like oh I'm like, yeah, my mixtape DJ. And he's like, I don't even know if you knew what mixtapes were. He pr- probably did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I played him on mixtape. And he was like, this is sick. I remember there was this Japanese couple in there. And they're, they're both like, this is sick. Like, we both want a copy. And he bought, like, 10 copies off me straight away like that. Like, paid for, for up front. And at that time, as a 17-year-old, you've now got 50 pounds. In your You're like, ooh. Milky Bars on me. Yeah, I can, can buy some records. <laughs> but he was... Really cool for me to uh, to me, and like he opened a lot of doors and showed me a lot of love. And then, when his shop moved from Notting Hill, it moved to Oxford Street for a little while, and then it yeah. moved to Darblay Street. That's and obviously, right. Darblay Street is the heart of Soho. It's where mm. all the big boys are. We were opposite Uptown Records, Black Market Records was was down the road Dark from us. Dark and cold was around. The Dark and corner. well, Dark and Cold About was above or... us. Oh, so we were in the basement of Dark and Cold. I know exactly where. Yeah. It is. Uh, wow and then he asked me to work in in the record shop yo which like I was 19 at the time and as a as a kid I was spending all my life in record shops because that's where you'd meet everyone obviously get the rarities that's where you get the rare vinyl that you needed and that I needed for the mixtapes because mm-hmm. for the mixtapes again I was following the Americans the Americans always had the promos they always had the exclusives so that's what I needed to get okay I clocked how to get shout outs from famous rappers of the time mm. by going to journalists. So now I needed to get the exclusives. Okay, how do I get the exclusives? Okay.
1: Also- Are you taking notes out there? You better be taking the fucking notes out there. This is some heavy shit. So then, so then, like, <laughs>
0: okay, so I'm noticing that if you hang around a record shop all day, sometimes they don't just get the release stuff. Sometimes they get promos. Mm. And if you're cool with a guy who works in the shop, he'll sell it to you. And then PR people would come in. This is mad. Who is uh, Noel Gallagher's missus? Or um, or is it the uh, the other brother? Megan. Oh. um. It's one of the Gallagher's. Mm. Anyway, this is before they were together. So there's this Mm. woman called Megan who used to come into the shop, I think. And she did promo. And at that time, Nas' first album was just about to come out and she was like some posh white chick mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but she was doing promo for Nas so then I was like oh yeah I do these mixtapes blah 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 like can you hook me up and she was like yeah sure so then I started to get free vinyl so the then, sample
1: versions yeah for yeah, them, yeah yeah, for the, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the radio DJs yeah right? so
0: then I'd start hitting up all the record labels and then at that time from doing the mixtapes and the mixtapes started to get bigger then Westwood called me up and again I'm like I'm a teenager Hold on, so Still, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So he calls you up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and what was that how was that conversation about? It was it was mad because I was having my son uh, I was having my Sunday lunch. Westwood calls up my home phone because on the on the mixtapes I didn't have a mobile phone then. Mobiles mm. were just coming out. I'd have my home telephone number. So Westwood called up. And then he was like, yeah, can I speak to DJ MK? And my mum picked the phone up. <laughs> so my mum, literally all my family are Irish, so my mum bless her that Tim Westwood's on the phone. <laughs> the you listen to on Capital. I'm like, what? I was like, hello, and it was Westwood, and he was like, yeah, man, like I really love what you're doing with the mixtapes. You know, you're getting your stuff out on the streets. Like, I'd love, like for me, maybe me to play some of it, or maybe you to do me a mix for for Capital. For you know, for the Capital rap at show. the time was it wasn't it? Now, that at, was... at, at that time, like I can't stress yeah. enough how huge that show was. And what Westwood was doing, like the parties that he'd do would be the best parties, like the Life to London stuff, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. stuff at Dingwalls, then stuff at the Arches. It'd be crazy he because did Spats as well, was it? Spats? He did Spats, but sta- Spats was earlier. So Spats right. is like, it's before my time. Right, right, right. right so right. Spats is probably like, I never went there, so don't quote me, but Spats is like 83, 84. It was a club on Oxford Street, yeah, and they do yeah, like lunchtime yeah. sessions. With uh, Westwood family quest fingers, yes, sir. dudes, dudes like that. Dude, you can't underestimate the va- like what
1: Westwood has brought to the game. You know what I mean? Insane levels.
0: Yeah, in- insane levels. So the next thing I know, it's a Sunday, and I'm at the Houston Tower <laughs> where they did Capital, and I'm, I'm I'm with Westwood, and, and Westwood's editing one of my mixes that I'd done on a cassette, and he's editing it on a real to real to real because there's no. This is before mm. that. This is before computers and you could, you know, have logic or oh, able to right. and stuff where you could reverse swear words. Mm. And then he'd play my mix. And that was just the most incredible thing because his network of of, of, of hip hop fans was was huge. So literally the next day was 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 just, you know, I get people hitting me up or whatever. Uh, <sighs> and then yeah. So yeah, that, that was about 93, and then come 95, uh, I'd met Pete in 93, but come 95, that's when he asked me to work in Handspun Records, and we just moved to Darby Street, and then that was just like amazing times, because it's, uh-huh. it's 95, so you've got some of the best hip-hop coming out, and obviously we're based in Soho, so any artist who's coming over... they can be in. They're going to come in, so I remember... Digging. I, 95. This guy, shout to Fusion, who was uh, a journalist who used to do a column for Echoes. Mm. Uh, he did like the hip hop, the hip hop page. Mm-hmm. I remember he brought an down, and like we, we couldn't believe it. And where the shop was, if you looked straight in front of you, you'd see stairs. So you'd see everyone who was walking down the stairs. And to you see the, the, shop. The, the, the shadows and so the stairs. I saw this 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 guy Fusion, <laughs> and I remember seeing him. And he was like this, and he clocked... Fusion like, and T-Max. That, Fusion these and guys. T-Max, exactly. Okay, yeah, Fusion and, I remember and Fallacy. He, he comes in like this, and he's like smiling. And I'm like, all right, yeah, safe, that's Fusion. And I'm like, he looks a bit happy. And then <laughs> behind him was Nas. I'm just like, oh my God. and then Nas was, he was really shy and mad, quiet. He's like, yo, he's got this really deep, deep, like, raspy voice. He's like, yo, kid, yo, what's up, man? I'm
1: Mind like
0: you've just dropped mind. like the sickest album like in hip hop, like you're incredible. Like we've been listening to you since live at the barbecue zebrahead soundtrack. Like mm-hmm. and then he was asking for uh for blunts. So like, yo yo man, yo, yo, man, you need to get some blunts, man. I remember me and Pete Pete were like, Blunts? <laughs> you don't want blunts, bruv. If you want Rizzlers, like, make yourself a spliff. He's a like, Word? I said, like, Yeah, yeah. It's like, and then we said, like, if you want blunts, there's one place in Selfridges. You Could actually buy blunts from some cigar place.
1: Four star general, who, they, he had a stint of
0: selling blunts and stuff like that, doesn't he? He, he could have, I, yeah, I, I don't remember maybe. that. I'm, I'm sure he did, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. he did. Uh, wow, but then, that's amazing! Yeah, but then I'm just meeting the entire hip hop community. So, anyone who's pressing up records, you know, so like, I don't know, like Rodney P, yeah. like, next thing he's coming down to the shop. Yeah. P, like, I've grown up listening yeah, to you. Yeah, Money yeah. mad. Like, it's incredible. And then like I remember Comanche Sly and Hijack. they were a, a little comeback. And then like I'm talking to Comanche Sly and then and then more people. And then promoters are coming in to leave their flyers. And then they're clocking on DJ MK, the guy who's doing mixtapes and, and, and doing mixes for Westwood. It's all
1: happening, bro. So they're like,
0: Rod, you want to DJ at my thing? And huh? I'm like, hell yeah. So now I'm starting to do more clubs. And then I'm starting to sell, like, rather than selling in, like, 10 spots, I'm DJ. I'm oh, sorry, I'm selling my mixtapes, like, 30 spots, 40 spots. Then, because of the record shop, I'm meeting international people. So, there's a guy called DJ Go, mm-hmm. you know? And he yeah. was in the shop, uh, and his parents were from Japan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he was Japanese, so he could speak Japanese. My brother. Uh, shout out to Go. And, old I remember, day. and I remember... What he used to do was because he could speak Japanese, we'd get him to go out to Oxford Street, find crews of Japanese kids, and then bring them back to the shop. No way. Because obviously, if yeah. you're from Japan, you got money, money, right? Of course, yeah. So then so he brought in this group of kids or whatever, and it's like, like, like 10 kids and all the all the records. Like, oh wow. Oh yeah, I want that one, I want that one. And then Something really weird happened. Like they all start looking at me and they start going like this and start bowing and they're talking amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. And next thing they're taking off their hats and they're giving me their hats. And I'm looking at Go going, What did you say? Ralph, what did you say? <laughs> like, these guys are acting a bit weird. Like, what's happening? <laughs> and they're like, No, they've just found out you're DJ MK. They've got all of your mixtapes. What? And like, they want you to like sign your autograph on their oh, hats. And I'm like, Japan, like, how are my mixtapes going out to Japan? And then I found out that they were bootlegged, like heavily bootlegged, because, had a, a, you know, Japan had a bit of a, a bootlegging culture or whatever. So I'm like, raw So the next mixtape I made, I called it bootlegged in Japan. Oh! And then bizarrely, I got my first big order of mixtapes from a Japanese distributors. Beautiful. Wow. And that was for like three grand or something. See, these,
1: and these are the stories that come to mind when I think of the uh, the um, the notoriety of MK. Now, me coming in like 96, 97 into London, mm. Deal Real was the thing. Deal mm. Real was the spot. But there was this... I remember... Fucking super super in my mind mm. anyway, but I remember meeting you for the first time. Okay. And, and well, I was just like... That's fucking okay, man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because there was this, there was this real. You were London. You were the London DJ. Do you know what I mean like, uh, ferociously London in my mind? It was like, if if you if you were to epitomise anybody that was a DJ, I mean uh, through Deal Real, I met hmm. Shorty, of course, sure. and Pogo, and all these yeah, other yeah, yeah. characters. But for me, because of your outward, the persona and the work rate. It was almost like yo, like it was almost like to meet MK respectfully. To meet MK meant that you were in the right place. Okay, you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah, in yeah. London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was the thing. It was it. And I can only relay it to my first experiences of meeting you and being part of the scene because it was almost like an okay sign if you got right, to, the, right. to the MK okay, okay. marker. Right, Do you know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. Deal Real was it. There was a lot of things going on. A lot yeah. of... I remember Sinister and enfor- Enforcers and yeah. all these characters, yeah. Yeah, all these yeah, people yeah, yeah. just coming in and playing yeah, and, yeah, yeah. or being there. Yeah. Rodney was Root's Maneuver. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Ty, rest in peace. Yeah, you know, all yeah.
0: these... And you were part of that. Yeah, no, totally. So then in... October 1996, for whatever reason, I don't know what, but we had to leave that shop. Mm. I remember Pete saying, I think the rents had gone up. Uh, So it was quite mad because we were in the basement of Dark and Cold, which is on Darblaze Street. Mm. Now, above us were prostitutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the entire building was owned by an ex-prostitute who is now a madame who was like 70 years old. That's so, so it was really funny yeah. because when it would be rent day, this posh little old woman who talked like this and she'd come in and hello, <laughs> hello, MK, how are you? Do you have the rent? And then people would give her the rent and then upstairs the dark and cold boys would, would, would give her the rent. But she was an ex-prostitute who used to work in the building and then did so good, she bought the building. That... <laughs> and she was she was our landlady but anyway she put up the rent amazing. so then we had to leave there and then Pete was like because he'd moved around and he was older than me he was like my big brother mm. he was 10 years older than me so I was like 19 I'm trying to age you here Pete sorry Pete no, enough respect Pete. but I was like 19 he, he was like you know baby face 28, 29 and then he was like no we're going to open up another shop and it's not going to be in a basement and he goes furthermore I, I want it. you to to, to come in with me yeah. do it with me I was like cool so we went round Soho seeing different shops and then he found a place in Knoll Street and we went to see it and it was an empty shop uh, and the guy who owned it was an Irish guy and obviously like all my family are Irish so me and him got on his name was John I remember and he was from Rickmansworth as well uh, and upstairs was an old belt factory and if you went upstairs, there was no roof. It was just full of, of, of pigeons and whatever and all the leftover stuff from the 60s or 70s. I don't know. But it was a proper mess. Wow. And, then, and then the shop, which would then become deal real, was just totally empty. And then we had the basement downstairs. Uh, and then at that time, Tony – shout out to Tony. I'll
1: type Tony. You Tony know, Vegas.
0: Lovely guy. All these, Absolute, all these,
1: yes, all tapestry coming together, abs- absolutely
0: you Absolutely hilarious guy, man. Like, such so, a so, so funny, good, like always good cr- amazing dude. amazing company. Always. You, you can't have a bad night out with Tony. <laughs> so I knew Tony really well because I'd go to bongos <laughs> and, 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 and buy records of him. Uh, and I think Pete must have known who he was, but I don't think they knew each other that well. Anyway, I introduced, I'm pretty sure I introduced those two together and then Pete was like, because Tony just got the sack from from Bongo's, so he was like, we should get Tony in. I was like, hell yeah. Because Hand Spun before Deal Real was kind of, I won't say it was like the hood spot for hip-hop, but we'd get everyone. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or, yeah. So, you know, drug dealers would come down regularly just spend 500 quid or whatever. Or the little geeky kid from... Cambridge, from Sussex. Well, from Sussex, <laughs> would would come in on a Saturday, yeah. and that was our thing because in record shops before, and if you went to records, if you went to Western record shops, mm. you'll notice, you used to get the most shittiest wanker attitude. Yeah, 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 yeah You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like Groove Records wasn't like that, mm. but other other spots were. They'd look down at you. I remember that pretentiousness on behind the counter yeah. used to scare the shit. Out of me. I mean, yeah, yeah, and me and Pete. Mm -hmm. and and people always say this he'd be like we're never doing that we treat everyone fairly i don't care if you're buying 112 for six pound 50 if you're spending 600 pound in here Mm -hmm. we're going to treat everyone fairly on a level so that's what we did and that, that was sort of the ethos i suppose for deal real so then april 1997 uh we opened up the shop uh tony's dad rest in peace he like helped build the whole thing yeah I think Madder from Sun and Noise did the electrics Madder come on Uh, big up Sun of Noise crew and then yeah we opened up that shop it was funny because the day before we opened on the Saturday on the Friday night we had a party and I don't know if if Tony said it on his thing Mm. but the whole shop nearly burnt down what yeah 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 like there was like literally like I think it was like I don't know like two in the morning and we had a basement right so the party was upstairs where the Mm. shop was and then obviously downstairs in the basement and uh for some reason i don't know why but i think the light went out in the toilet and rather than someone going and buying a new bulb someone just had a candle on the toilet Mm. and then next thing like the smoke like the whole place could have burnt down. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, opening day!" So rock star. Yeah, man. It's still rock star. Did Scam come up with the name Deal Real? He did. I was there. Big I was, up scam. I was, yeah, shout out to Scam. Like, uh, there is a Scam podcast, by the way. Yeah, to this there, there has to be because, like, Scams, Scams' contribution to hip hop is, is 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 next level yeah. with his involvement. But well, Graph obviously from mm. the beginning, from literally when Futura mm. came over and he peaced, was there, yeah. He was there. You know, his him being in crew, shout out Tony Tone, rest in peace, yeah. Cuckoo Victor, mm-hmm. Sir Drew, all those guys, like there were certain graph writers, right, in the early days who were next level, who were always one step ahead. Mm. And he was one of those first guys. You would like, you know, people doing, oh check out my piece. No, nah, look at scam. Mm. Like ridiculous. You know, and obviously guys like Rich and Rage. Mm. Guys like 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 Bunny No Limits, State, yeah, of, art. state of Art. Yeah. Obviously No Limits, Chrome Bonkers. Angels, Bonkers. they were just doing some 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 next level stuff. But but yeah, deal real. And then that became the hub of hip hop. The hub of hip hop. So everyone would would come to the shop with a, you were Wu Tang yeah. who were in town doing a show, they pass by. All very, War. very
1: overly casual. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, what yeah, yeah, the fuck? yeah. And he's saying we're not talking about Deal Real and Carnaby Street people, because I know no. we've got some we've got some ages um uh, Okay, so so, so so and stuff, so, so yeah, deal, the original- deal, deal Real
0: real in Carnaby Street was basically Pete sold the name. I mean, again, you'd have to get Pete's yeah, yeah, yeah. side of the story. Yeah, for sure. Uh but the way I saw it was he sold the name. Uh, deal real and then these guys opened up another another shop kept the name and the legacy they guys. kept the name and but the this, legacy we're talking about the
1: foundational yeah the, 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 but,
0: but 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 to be honest as a record shop like I went in there I think I sold some some, some mixtapes in there but as a record shop I would never go there that much because they didn't have the records I remember the week they, they, they open up one of the guys who owned it called me up and was like MK I need your help I was like what's up and he's like can you tell me the distributors and I was like, you're kidding me. You've opened up a record, record shop. You've just bought the name Deal Real. Like, you, you're asking me now, like, what, what are you guys up to? You know what I mean? So, but they were good because they kind of continued what we were doing with, with the mm. freestyle nights. I think Excalibur actually. Was the first person who and, went who went to Pete and said, yeah. "I want to have some type of freestyle." That's thing. brilliant. Yeah, man. Doc Doc Brown
1: was in effect all the, and then Kanye West and all sorts of people come from the sector. So you know, no, no discrediting the, sure. the, the, the the journey. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 I feel yeah. you. Um, without that, those um, early inceptions of, There wasn't really in stores, was there? Not no, really. Like
0: no, no. I, I can't. Then. I can't think of, of of. I mean, maybe Fat Beats. Yeah, in New York, did yeah. in the stores. I think. Uh, I'm not saying Excalibur t- took that idea from that. But he was the first guy, yeah. from what I remember, who approached Pete and was like, look, you know, I want to you know, just do, do some little freestyle thing. But also, we'd always have a mic, even in handspun before Deal Real. So like... Just in case of trouble, you see. Yeah, like, I remember like Mad Skills, 279. Shout out to 279. Really I remember good this Mad guy, skill man. story, man. This Mad Skills story is yeah yeah so it's, so it's 95 oh, Mad Skills one. is he, he won I think New Music Seminar that freestyle mm. thing he's now signed to Big Beat he's got a sick album you know Q-Tips on it Large Professors on it he's got Nod an Factor uh, and I, and 279 brought him over to do a show at Subterranea and asked us if we wanted to sponsor it I think
1: so hold tight the number man as well I know you yeah, mentioned that well. you need to get him in as well it. man you need to yeah, get him
0: oh, in hold tight <laughs> another, <laughs> another
1: one of those list, rods that are going on. list world. of people right <laughs>
0: yeah uh and at that time, I was doing mixes for him as well on on choice. Mm. Uh, Crazy. It's so funny because I remember for some reason I don't think I was talking to Westwood, or we didn't have beef, but I wasn't really messing with him. And it means you're doing something right when you got them
1: kind of. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's kind of the thing. And I remember
0: uh, my guy Hakim. He's like, bro, because you need to do mixes for 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 two seven nine for your mm. show on Choice FM. Now at that time, his show was huge, huge, and he was kind of two seven nine and Westwood were kind of neck and they neck. Were, they really were with 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 the with the promos and exclusives yeah. and stuff like that. So this guy Hakim goes, he goes, look, I'll speak to, to, to numbers. You know, maybe you could do him a mix. Here's his number. Call him up. So I remember I called him up, and I'm a bit, I'm a bit gassed now. I'm a, I'm. I'm bit confident do you know what I mean so I'm like look at MK come on so I'm like yeah it's DJ MK yeah yeah I'm the guy who does all the mixtapes. I'm the guy who's starting to do all the clubs and smashing it and yeah I've been doing mixes for Westwood who's got the best show blah blah and he did not give a shit I remember he was like listen if you want to do me mixes you know I've got Cutmaster Swift who does me mixes who's the DMC 1989 Mm -hmm. world champion Mm -hmm. and I was like yeah (laughs) he's like yeah so your mix has got to be as good as his and i was like okay so then i do a mix for for 279 for choice and bro, i'd spend two days on that mm-hmm. 20 minute mix mm-hmm. because i just had his voice in the background going yeah. you gotta be as good as cutmaster swift yeah, yeah, and, yeah, oh, yeah, i was ever when cutmaster swift yeah, yeah. won the dmc in 99 like i was like wow this is my idol so big up big up cutmaster so he swift. really pushed me to, yeah. to, to make like my mixtapes better and he'd always like big me up and me and pete and he used to, like, let us hang out on Choice FM. So for a couple of years, that would be kind of the normal thing. We'd finish off Deal Real or Handspun on a Friday night. And if I wasn't DJing, we'd just go up to Brixton. Numbers, well, Big TEDs would open the door. He'd oh, let us in. And then, and then we'd just hang out there. And at that time, we were all quite heavy drinkers. So we must have been an absolute nightmare because we'd turn up drunk. Mm. And at Choice FM in those days, they'd have, like... You know the press photographs of all the famous mm. people who would passed mm. up with the signatures and stuff, and bruv, we'd try and take them off the wall and really? steal them. Yeah, we were, we were, but reckless. Yeah, you know, we'd go ahead drunk and stuff. But numbers kind of allowed us, mm. and he'd let us because you were the next generation, and yeah. that energy. And he was good. older, and, and and he saw, you know, he maybe he saw something. So yeah, shout out to Westwood and shout out to to two seven nine because he he really mm. like, helped me out, you know. And there's, there's certain people who. Help me out, so I've got to, got to big them up, man.
1: I mean, we're talking about London history right here, and, you know, big up everybody that was there during that whole period, mid-'90s to late-'90s, mm. so far as hip-hop goes, mm. because there was these surgence of drum and bass and, hi- and, and hardcore um, uh, dance music and you know, all these other things that would come into play, but, you know, there, there was a real um, stiff upper lip as far as like hip hop was concerned, and then there'd be people like me coming in at 360 physicals yeah. and all these different, uh, you know what I mean? That that would Marco Magic whole time Marco Marco Magic, Magic. all day.
0: All day. Uh, the ladies' all, favorite. All, ladies' favorite, aka hmm? Swordsman Marco. That was, sword, sword, that was something sword, I was like yeah,
1: Swordsman Marco. If you're out there, Marco, you know what to do. Give Comment it, below. Give us a shout. Give us a shout. Yeah, um, and again, you know, I remember coming on your show. I remember being. Ever present and being a part of the thing, but the one, the one moment where I really felt like there was this—you started doing work with with Roots Maneuver. Yeah, 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 yeah—and we. Yeah. We actually connected properly yeah. on the tour bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninja Tune, I remember
0: that, bro. You yeah, know, yeah, out yeah. there we yeah, were going yeah, to
1: yeah. different cities and towns, and it was a whole new thing for me. I was Crazy, like, "Yo, yeah, yeah." I was so green, like, oh, that's kind of how old I was, but it must have been about 1999.
0: It, yeah, it would have been. So basically, I met uh, Rodney through his manager, Choose, Choose ran Sound of Money Records, that's and sick. he had an office in the back of Sound Source Records in Covent Garden, which previously was Groove Records. <laughs> so. I looked at him, he was like this white guy, ponytail. I'm like, you're not hip hop, like, who are you? And he was a lawyer, a music lawyer. But he was mad cool. And he just signed Roots Maneuver and he just had a record out called Where My Mind Is At. Amazing tune. My... No! Next up, of Motion. Next up, of Motion, that's it. Next there was also Bless Be The Manor as blessed well. Be the manor. Yeah, they were the skits ones. Was, yes, but, the one. But yeah, 95, Next up, of Motion. Sick tune, but it's really slow. It's like, and he was like, yo, you're doing, you're doing Westwood tonight. Like, can you play this tune? And I was like, this is a sick tune, but everything else is kind of like 94 Mm -hmm. BPM. It's Mm -hmm. more head nods. Like, This is really slow. And I remember I played it and it was the first time anyone played a Roots Maneuver song and that was on Westwood. And then in, uh, before Deal Real opened, I was with Tony sanding the sign Mm -hmm. of Deal Real and Rodney walked by. He was like, yeah, dude, yeah, what's up, yeah. <laughs> I said, like, easy. And uh, obviously, you know, we were friends, we knew each other. And he had just tried to get a loan to do a record label from the Princess Trust, I think. And I, I don't know how that went. Uh, and he was like, yeah, do you want to go and have a drink? So I said, like, yeah, cool. So I bought him a Guinness, had a little drink. And at that time... I just got signed to profile agency. Of course. With Serena. I'll touch Serena. Yeah, With Serena. Yeah, And I remember she said to me, if you have an MC, we can put the price up a bit. Mm. You know, it's mm. more to offer. It's more of a show. So I remember saying to Rodney, yo, I've just been signed up to this profile agency. Like, do you want an MC for me? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because doing shows, he had, With My Mind, uh, Next Type promotion." And I think maybe where my mind is at, those tunes were just kind of coming in. But he was like, "Yeah, cool." And then we did the hop. Mm, Actually, wow. that was the first time Man. we did we right. did we did that. Yeah. And the hop was run by a guy called Rich, alongside with me and another guy called then flyers were Diablo. The circular flyers. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we did like a little PA there, and that went good. And then we did mudlums. Yeah, come on, the whole tight thing was For fun, like Very Chat crew. Skinny and mm. Mongo and. Uh, Barry Crew, so we did that, like £50, and we're doing all these, like, £50 gigs. Mm. But we rehearsed, bro, and we took it seriously. Then he got signed to Ninja Tunes. And then we started doing shows for, like, £100. We'd come to Scotland and do a show for £100. well, wow. Or maybe £150, and it's going up to £200. Then he signed to Ninja. And then we started to do all these Ninja mm. Tune tours. Mm. I'd never been on tour in my life. And like you said, it just opened up... a, a a brand new world mm. so we did this UK ninja tune tour there's like 16 of us on a tour bus mm. and they put us like second in the lineup by the end of that tour bus we were on last that's right you were upgraded because every... because
1: we did such a sick show the momentum was following the tour bus literally wasn't it yeah
0: and then we would do more shows and then rodney was his his music was 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 uh being exposed to a different audience so you had sort of like the hardcore hip hop dudes yeah. Who'd, who'd like what we were doing? Then the kind of left field, chin strokey coffee table. Yeah, attacks. mo Wax kind of dudes mm. like the, and then the Ninja Tune crew, which could be a, whatever. Mm. Uh, and then yeah, we started going on European tours, touring, touring, you know, America, touring Canada, spreading the world the word, like worldwide, and then started to go Australia. And I think a lot of people think now, it's like the given thing. So if you're a new artist or whatever, Hmm. if you're popular, you do stuff like The Forum or you do Brixton Academy as a UK artist. So, you know, all these guys now will do that. Like We were the first guys to do that. First people
1: to do it. Yeah. Do you
0: remember, I think you were there as well Mm. when
1: we did Glastonbury. Mm. And there was no other hip, there was yeah, no yeah, hip-hop yeah, yeah. in Glastonbury. Yeah, we were the yeah, first yeah, ones yeah, to come yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Remember. Yeah,
0: yeah, 98 or yeah. 99. Yeah, and that was with, I think, uh, that's Slum Village, right. Swollen Members. Swollen Members, that's right. I think Charlie too. And there was that breakdance dancer uh, that fell off the stage. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> he head spun off the stage, yeah. actually, and
0: just dropped <laughs> Sounds dangerous yeah.
1: man. I think scratch purpose were there maybe
0: ah uh, possibly God. I remember Matt from scratch being there yes yeah yeah yeah, Robert yeah. Robert yes that's right Matt there
1: for uh... like f- f- just groundbreaking moments that, that 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 roots maneuver you have hats all hats off standing ovation to you guys for like being there and just capturing that zeitgeist the momentum that just pull f- f- everything forward, yeah
0: yeah definitely and. Like, festivals, like, before, I think there was the odd UK group who might have got signed and then they did some festivals, maybe Mm. for a year, maybe for two. But we were the first guys to constantly get booked Mm. and to make it the norm Mm. for UK artists. Leamington Spa, Faversham, and places like this, (laughs) wasn't it? Yeah. But it was really exciting because for me as a DJ, like, there was this network of clubs in every city in the UK. So if you were going Mm. to Leeds, you do the Favisham. Like you just said, if you went to Brighton, there'd be four hip-hop clubs, at least. Big Concord. Yeah, Concord too. You know, where you could... So every weekend... There was a scene. You'd be out doing that. Mm. And then I'd be doing the stuff with Rodney and then I'd still be doing the mixtapes. So everything we're doing is just pushing out and we don't really understand or see the full extent of what we're doing no. and how it's spreading world, worldwide. So I'm not really clocking that my mixtapes, you know, there's people in South America who have got them somehow. There's people in, in New York. There's, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it just got bigger and bigger. So it's like really... Really, like ex- Bro, exciting you literally, times, man. As you were talking, you literally, my head went back to some crazy
1: recesses of oh, yeah. feeling, of of that feeling. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's some crazy. That fit. Fe- I remember when Serena first signed me to to the agency, yeah. and I went. I just went to that place. Right. I just went to that place okay, okay, in my head. Okay, well, okay, okay, okay. like, yo, that was so sick. Yeah. It was a, it was um, a, f- a
0: free fall of opportunity, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it opened the world because for me, I'd never, outside of hip-hop, I'd never left the country. Mm. The first time I left the country was in 1995, where I was selling a lot of mixtapes, mainly in the UK, and I met this guy from France. And again, like, I'm, I'm in the record shop. Some random guy from France, from Paris, comes in. He hangs out for three hours with with like me. I think Super T was there. Yeah. Pete obviously. Mm. I'll tell Super and T. And th- like three hours later, we're best mates. Mm. And he's gone. Yeah, he goes. You should come to Paris. These mixtapes are wicked. And he's like, I uh, I'm really cool with this guy called Cut Killer, who's <laughs> uh, basically doing what you're doing. He's doing like yeah. like mixtapes. He's like, I'm going, I'm going to Paris next week. Like you can stay with me and my family. Why don't you come out to Paris? So I was like. Okay, let's go to Paris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the next thing I'm in Paris, I've bought like, I think I bought 100 mixtapes with me, right? Uh, so much hustle. So so, so he, he takes me to the first record shop. Bruv, they buy them all. They buy all 100 tapes that day, cash. I'm there, like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And the next thing, like, I'm on the radio stations there, hooked up with one of the heads of like Virgin, this guy called LBR. And he's like, "Uh, I'm DJing tonight, the fashion party. You want to come down? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yes. He goes, I think it's, I think Jenny Jackson would be there, loads of models. Uh, So I was like, cool. So then I'm in the DJ booth with him and he's like, do you want to DJ for a bit? And I'm like,
1: yes. (laughs) And then I'm
0: clocking like, that's Kate Moss. Kate Moss is there. Oh, my God, there's Janet Jackson. Because we I'm, are in
1: Paris, you understand. Yeah. This is the one of the, you know. I'm like 19,
0: do you know what I mean? Yeah. So those times were, were 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 crazy, man. You did a mixtape with Cut Killer as well, didn't you? I didn't. Dude, I remember, well, you definitely did one with Shorty. He nearly got me killed. Who? Cut Killer? Well, he didn't get me killed, but the maddest story, bro. So at that time in Paris, they used to have, like, their equivalent of Subterranea, yeah. which was kind of just like a moody club in Paris. Remember my brethren goes, or I was staying with him and he's like, Oh, you know, tonight we go to the party. So I was like, cool. And I'd already met Cut Killer at that time. I'd been to his house. We had a little cut. He was mad cool. Mm. And I think we then went to a radio station together and he's mad cool. And we had a lot of mutual respect. Mm. I gave him my mixtape, he gave me his, whatever. It's like, yeah, you're dope, yeah, you're dope, cool. So then we go to this club and uh like it's there, like it's all, all it's a bit moody, do mm. you know what I mean? And uh, I'm with Cut Killer, And there's a guy who's a dwarf. He's a dwarf, bro. Okay. He's this high. Yeah. Black guy with dreads. Yeah. He's angry. And uh, he basically starts walking. I hear this stuff in French. He's got a gun. Pulls out the gun. Obviously has beef with my man. Who's standing beside me? What? And next thing, all kicks off like we go right in. I, I won't say what happened next because it's probably best not to. But yeah, that was like my, my first one of my mad. first experiences in Paris because Paris in those times, bro, like you did you did not mess around. Like the Paris guys were the safest. Yeah, they would yeah. show you love, but they're but if you
1: if you there's fights in in, the, in the, the shopping malls for break dancing and shit, yeah, stabbings like, and yeah, shit. Yeah,
0: like remember this. like like I kind of noticed. That who you know, people who were I considered just normal sort of sane people also had a collection of very dangerous weapons yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. so like you, you did not mess Ooh. around when you go to Paris Paris for the muck but, about but Paris was like the first city outside of London outside of the UK that, that really Rested. showed me love and I'd go there there was a time I'd go there like Every three months, I'd go there with my brother, and who'd be doing all the bootlegs.
1: Yeah, I remember you doing this, I do. So, this became folklore.
0: This yeah, was just yeah, yeah, yeah. folklore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: the only way you could even actually get the full 360 of your activities was based on the mixtapes that you had. Yeah. There's a freestyle by Sanso. There's, there's this collaboration going on here, a remix. How'd you get that? Yeah, you know, there's yeah, all these yeah. shout outs, and it became like this. Yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. But yeah. but
0: one thing I always had in my head from when I first started doing mixtapes in my bedroom, when no one really cared, as sort of a 16, 17 year old was to to play the music I loved and to play UK music. So mm. on that very first mixtape, I Blade just dropped his yeah, album. Yeah, he'll up Blade. Like a, That Blade and MC Mellow tune. Yeah. I had, I can't remember what London Posse tune was out at the time, mm. uh, but I put that on it and that was important for me. And then my mates who I thought were sick, guys like Super T, mm. you know, uh, mm. I'd want them to be on the mixtape, mm. do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's always what I try and do. Not not, not from a perspective. of Ice words. pick. I remember hearing ice pick. And also there was another, was it Big Qualm? Big, Big Qualm, Qualm, yeah, yeah. Blind, blind
1: side records. Yeah. Yeah. All these people I remember being on your mixtapes.
0: No, nah, Big Qualm wasn't on my mixtape. You sure? Yeah, positive, 100%. He, I think I don't know if he was American, but he's like an American. No, he had an American He had an American accent. Accent. Were you against acting. that? Were you not into that? Well, look, I mean, at the time, it was just a given that like if you rapped, you wrapped in an american accent mm. that that's just the way it mm. was so all the sort of early hip hop that we were hearing was was had an american accent and it didn't seem weird but then i suppose as you get older you kind of think why are we doing it yeah this <laughs> this is a bit weird and i always remember like hearing bionic Mm, and it's cockney old. yeah slosh yeah. Mm. and I'm like bruv your voice sounds sick mm. and at that time people were kind of laying off the American accent a bit so you could kind of hear both mm. but then that led the path of this is really stupid mm. so f- from then on I was like if you're coming with it. that Yankee yeah. twang it's not really it's not really cutting it you know Yeah. so like a lot of the guys who'd be on my tapes would be I don't know, like Brotherhood. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So I'll shout Billy Spiff, yeah. Shylock. Yes. And they'd be spitting. I'll Dexter. In, in, yeah, Dexter, come Old on. They'd be, they'd be spitting in an English accent. Mm. Fallacy. Mm. You know, English accent. Skinny, Skinny. man. <laughs> yeah. English accent. Roots manoeuvre. And it made it all right. Yeah, it's like it's the way it should be. Yeah, because that's how we 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 talk to each other.
1: And it's actually unthinkable now when you consider the landscape of grime and drill. And but without those informative moments of like, hold on, what are we do, you wouldn't have that. Yeah, no, wouldn't definitely. be there.
0: It, it would have never reached a level. It it would have it always would have stayed in that square box because it couldn't. You couldn't export it really mm. to Americans because. No. They'd obviously, think you're American, maybe for a second, mm. and go, Okay, you're okay, and then you're from London, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing like song? that? Then, yeah, it'd be like if me and you were rappers and we just pull on an Australian accent <laughs> and go, Oh, I've made, yeah, it's weird, right? Like, why am I doing Different an Australian word, yeah. accent? I'm not yeah. Australian, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so luckily, homage, yeah, Hommage. so luckily, you know, we went down the route of, of, of oh. spitting. In a in a UK accent, and getting rid accent. of that American twang, and it led to all these things. And we'll get
1: into the dizzy rascal thing in a bit, but mm. but um, I, I want to kind of get, circle a little bit more in the shorty relationship and the Kiss FM thing, yeah. and and you know your your transition into radio, yeah, and yeah, yeah. because that again, like Wednesday nights, no Thursday, Thursday, Wednesday, th- Wednesday Thursday, night, Thursday nights. That's right. Um, yeah, because I think funk. So it's funky dread. Um, that was the. That was a dread show on a Monday. I'm mean, now I'm going back into like the. Recess <laughs> I can't even of, remember. You got of better Kiss, memory yeah. than me. But um, yeah, I do remember dialing in, and yeah, you guys, you and Shorty, Big Up Shorty, uh, you know this, and it's tree. been going for so long. Yeah, so basically history in the making. Yeah, it's still
0: it's happening. It's still it's still popping. Yeah, it's mad because Kiss is a station I used to listen to as a pirate. Now where I lived in Northwest London, you couldn't get Kiss too mm. tough. You could just about get it, but I remember listening to Max and Dave. Shout out yes, to Max and, whole Dave. Time Max and Dave, and, and, and listening to, to Richie Rich. Richie mm. Rich always played like a lot of UK stuff. Like I remember hearing Cookie Crew, mm. Females, first person ever yeah. heard play it. Uh, so Kiss was then you know the biggest pirate. So in 1990 they changed the laws. Choice FM got a license. Jazz FM got a license. Kiss FM got a license. So then that was just like wow. Yeah. Rather than just we just have Westwood before. Mm. So Westwood was on Capitol. He Had the best show, but now Dave Pierce. Oh, sorry, and Dave Pierce. Like, Westwood Dave always Pierce. had the crown, but, he, but, he but was, Dave yeah, Pierce was doing his thing with, with, with thing. Radio London yeah. and then and GLR. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, he'd have Juice Crew, mm. he'd have Public Enemy. He created yeah, 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 legendary yeah. Uh, radio. Uh, but Kiss was always a huge station that I'd listen to and I'd love. Uh, so I got to know Dave through his brother. His brother, Norris, went to my college. And, you know, he was both into hip-hop. And then, you know, mm. he said, oh, my brother's Davey J. And I was like, wow. Mad. So then I got to know Dave. And then Dave let me do the odd mix for him on, on Kiss. So I was slyly... Because my thing was like, they're not going to give me a job as like a 20-year-old mm. kid. Mm. But... If I can do everyone mixes, I'm going to be on choice. <laughs> KISS was always a station that I really respected. And I'd go up there, like I said, from like 96 onwards, I'd go up there to do special you know, guest mixes or whatever. I remember the first time I went up the Holloway Road, uh, Max and Dave were doing their show there, Killer that's Priest. That's right, because that's where KISS was. That's that where was KISS the, was. That's that's the, original, Holloway Road, just outside yeah, of it, High Yeah, the, the original legal venue. I remember going there and it's like, people were smoking weed in the studio. Mm. Like, it was just a total different vibe. <laughs> I'm like wow, this is really cool. I can get with this. (laughs) So then i think in about... So then Shorty took over for Max and Dave, Shorty and Ted. Mm. They took over in 99. And obviously I knew Shorty really well Mm. because of the hop. So when we started the hop, Mm. uh, my mate Rich had the idea to do it and he was the one who was pushing the money into it. it. He was like, yo, yeah, you can do it, but we need someone else. Mm. Who else Mm. do you know who's, who's... up and coming. I was like, this guy Shorty Blitz, incredible DJ. So then Shorty, me and Shorty did the hop together for like four years. And then obviously, yeah, he's a hip hop DJ. DJ, I'm a hip hop DJ. Mm. We'd be similar things. He worked at Release the Groove Mm. and then I was at Handspun Records and then he went on to do Kiss. So then he'd invite me up. Like when we had, it's Mm. all live come up. We all went up to KISS and did like a Live to 11 thing. So KISS was almost like a familiar place for me Mm. by now. And then there was a guy who won the DMCs, I think 2003, called DJ Scully. Yeah, hold that, Scully. And he was a guy who used to buy my mixtapes back in the day as like a 14, Mm 15-year-old kid. And then I remember him getting decks and him going, oh, I made a mixtape, can I send it to you? And hearing this guy's mixtape and thinking, oh. This guy's might be quite good. And then he went on to win DMCs. And as a result of that, Kiss gave him a show. Now, at that time, I was doing Itch FM. Shout out to... uh, We won't mention your names, but you know who you are. So 2000, Itch FM starts. Now, I have a history of doing previous pirate radio stations that Mm. never really popped off. They're in some dodgy estate some crack house Mm. you go there you do three or four shows you wouldn't even know if anyone was listening so then we stopped doing the hop in the end of 1999 Mm. and uh these guys who who were doing itch before Itch had started would would come to the hop i remember them them coming to 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 rich i think saying we want to do a club Mm now my mate rich went listen if you want to lose money yeah, go you like I go and do a club night. <laughs> yeah. So then they were like, All right, we won't do that, we'll do a radio station. I remember them calling me up and going, Yeah, we really want you to do a show like you're doing your thing. Obviously, we want you to do a show. This station's gonna be huge, it's gonna be called Itch man. I was like, nah, no way. I'm not doing pirate radio. I've mm. had my 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 run of of that, I'm not interested. And then these guys yeah. kept on going, Ah, you don't understand. This is we, And they were serious, bro. Mm-hmm. They had their business. Head on. Yeah, they were way ahead of the curve. Yeah. yeah. So then started doing Itch with A-Side. Yeah, yeah. And then we had the show with No Name. Yeah. Which.
1: Bonkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which was, which was so,
0: so much fun. Shout out to A-Side, mm. man. Uh, because we we do that. And we used to have a show Friday night from, I think, nine till midnight. And then again, it was in North London. So we'd have like my family up. Uh, mm-hmm. And he used to do a section called the break section. And uh, A-Side's knowledge of music is, is incredible. Yeah. So then he'd have a little... 20 minutes, we'd just be playing all yeah. these sick breaks and stuff like that, and then me and him would just be like just, just cracking jokes throughout the entire thing. But he'd normally do the most of the presenting side at that time when I did mixes or any radio stuff before, I, I wouldn't have to talk. Mm. If I did have to talk as a little interview, mm-hmm. I'd never really feel comfortable because it's just something I didn't really like like to do. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. real reason. The hands do the talking yeah, exactly. But then there'd be times when A-Side wouldn't be there, so I'd have to do this three-hour radio show by myself, and I'd obviously have to present. Mm. So Itch FM really gave me my the training of, ground, the training ground, mm. and obviously it's Rago. You're in, a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but but the, I'm a bit, the yeah. doors could be raided at any yeah. time, but dangerous. Yeah, see? but but it taught me how to be a good presenter. Mm. And then in two thousand and three. DJ Scully hits me up and he's like, "Yo, uh, I'm doing a Christmas special. Like, do you wanna come down and and, and, and like do me a mix?" He goes, "You can record it at Kiss." I was like, "Wow, okay, mm. I'd have to pre-record it. I can do it at the Kiss Studio mm-hmm. as well." So I went down to Kiss, and I remember, bruv, we both DJ'd the night before at the Junction in, oh, Cambridge. in Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I chose not to get drunk that night he did and I remember so I'm doing this so he comes in and we were recording the show as live but basically he let me what was probably going to be a half an hour mix he let me do the entire thing because he was hung over and he was sort of saying on the mic oh yeah Christmas special we were both we smashed the party last night I'm a bit worse for wear so I'm just going to let my man MK you know take the reins for a bit so I was like Cool, bro. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to keep on so I'm mixing. So then, yeah, I did that show. And then about four months later, someone, one of the producers from the Kiss, yeah. called me up and they were like, Yeah, Scully's ill or something. Like, can you cover his show? I was like, What? Yeah, bro, this is incredible. This is legal radio. Like, I love itch, but I've been doing this now for like three or four years. I've kind of hit the glass ceiling of yeah. pirate radio. And you just knew there was a transition waiting. Yeah, know? it had to happen. And then I did – I stood in for him once and then I got a call next week. He's still not coming in, two weeks. That two weeks then turned into six weeks. So I'd then done six weeks on Kiss and it was it was, it was good, yeah. you know. So then I'm thinking, okay, that's it. I've done my six weeks mm-hmm. on Kiss. De- Scully's going to come back yeah. and then that's it. So then Scully came back and they were like, look, we really like what you were doing. Can you stay and do the show together? And obviously me and him, remember, we'd known each other since mm. he was 15. 15. He used to buy mixtapes of me. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, cool. And I was like, is that cool with you? And he's like, yeah, it's wicked. Like, cool, let's do it. So we did the show together, I don't know how long it was. I think it was less than a year, but like maybe eight months into it. Mm. he turned around to me one day and he was just like, you know what? My heart's, my heart's not in this anymore, man. I was like, really? He's like, my heart's not in the DJing thing. I'm going to do something totally different. And I'm going to leave and you well. can take over. And then that was it. And then I had my own radio show on Kiss, which would be live every Thursday night at nine o'clock. Mm. And you know, you've got like roughly a quarter of a million live listeners there. Mm. So you're there in your room and you're thinking, I was right, one of them. I've yeah, got like four Wembley stadiums yeah. locked into me. This is incredible. Yeah. And Kiss was so cool, they trusted their DJ so much. I could play whatever I wanted and even to this day Kiss have never given me a playlist of you have to play this or these are the songs we want you to mm-hmm. push you totally do your own thing and then I wanted to do the same thing that I was doing with the mixtapes mm-hmm. I wanted UK artists or you, whoever was good mm-hmm. to come in mm-hmm. and do the sick freestyles and play those tunes that maybe weren't getting played and then nearly 18 years later still doing it which is which So sick. Yeah, which which is cool. Been a long time you've been on that radio station. Yeah, man.
1: How's that work with nowadays with the dizzy aspect? Because you know you are full time, like trying to get you on the show respectfully and understandably. You're dealing with a superstar, and and you're having to deal with different levels of moving parts, yeah, aren't you? How yeah. how do you do the radio station and do the the
0: dizzy shows? It's bonkers. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. Your your legacy is uh, crazy. Well, one thing I found that was quite hard was in 2001, me and Rodney went to Australia for the first time. Mm. Uh, and then from 2004, I've been to Australia every year at least once, sometimes even twice. told you. Even sometimes three times a year, Matt. going out to Australia and to New Zealand uh, to DJ. So obviously, if you you know, you could be gone for a month. So what I'd do is I'd, I'd do pre-records. Mm. You know what I mean? Would
1: you do them in this hotel? Would you actually do them before you
0: left? No, no, I'd do them before I'd left. I'd do them wow. before I'd leave. That could be sometimes like two weeks worth.
1: Three oh, weeks. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Or three or four weeks. Yeah. Or, or maybe, I think they'd allow you to do two weeks mm. worth of pre-records. And then, luckily it would always be in, in December mm. or January because mm. that's their summer. Yeah. So there's not a lot of new music out in January. Mm. So then maybe I'd do a, a best of the year. Mm. Or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that kind of get me through.
1: It's how hard that the hustle is so fucking real with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, It's bonkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you turned around some big money over these mixtapes things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the, What's Let's get to the grassroots here. Seismic amounts of money. Like nowadays, when we're talking about independent labels, yeah, you were
0: doing that before. Of course, you know what I want to say quickly. I want to say shout out to Blade mm. because yeah, oh all day. Uh, I remember being in Groove Records and hearing one of Blade's first 12s. I can't even remember, Mind of an Ordinary Citizen or something like that. I remember going to buy it and going to Ben, who worked there, kind of have that tune. He was like, this is the last tune. It's his copy. And then he was like, but you can buy it from that guy over there. I'm like, what? Who's that guy? He's like, that's Blade. That's his record. I was like, but he's selling them independently. He's pressed them up. I think subconsciously it was Blade. Who gave me that mind state mm. to be like you can be independent. You don't have to rely on anyone. I
1: might just add as well, check out 521, the channel Blades
0: thing, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, uh, without question, he's just yeah, no, he's solid him, for decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he kind of gave me the inspiration <sighs> mm. to to do to mm. do uh that that kind of thing. But yeah, with 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 the traveling and, and all the dizzy stuff, like, I hooked up with Dizzy in 2007. Uh And at that time, I'd heard grime through an ex-girlfriend in 2003. I'd heard about grime before. I just thought it was a bunch of geezers shouting. Mm -hmm. I didn't respect it. And then I heard, I love you. Mm. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, this guy's voice sounds so sick. He's cutting through. Like, what Mm. is this beat? This is like some futuristic... Next level hip hop. Yeah, Timberland meets Premier meets yeah, 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 some yeah, 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 yeah. wizard or something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, and his voice was just like it was. It for me, it re, it was reminiscent of Bionic. Yeah, 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 totally. He cut through just like that. So then I remember going to studio and meeting him, and I'm thinking, and I'm I'm a bit older than than, mm. than Diz. So I think at the time Diz he was maybe like 22. So I remember what I was like when I was 22. So I'm thinking I'm going to meet this arrogant kid. Nicest dude. who, And I meet this guy and he's just like the most intelligent, C- nicest guy. Calculated. Who is so focused. Yeah. I'd never met anyone who was that focused. And I saw the team that he had around him who were all mad safe and they were all, you know, just, they had the same mission. So then we started doing shows. first show I did with him was in Amsterdam and then... Yeah, well, just, you know, MTV Awards, just whatever. Just anything you can think of. And then, yeah, still do that to the present day. And it's just been, yeah, just a mad journey, bruv. Because it's like, when when I was doing shows before, yeah, you get the five-star hotels, you get... But this was, like, the next level. Like, Dizzy was that UK artist... Like I said, now it's the norm, but he was the really one. The bar was set. You know, to have an independent record label and to have like whatever he had, five or six number ones on his own label, smashing it. And then that's the first time for Rolling With Dill. It's not just doing big shows like selling at Brixton Academy. We're doing stadium shows. Like we did one run of Australia and New Zealand with Calvin uh, Harris, Shaq to Calvin. Mm. Lily Allen was a uh, bunch of other people. And it was just stadiums. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, like. <sighs>
1: Benchmark set. Yeah. Benchmark set, man. Like, yeah. he, everything by numbers, by numbers. Mm. He was meeting the right people. Mm. Mercury Award nominated to a winning it. It's like, if you were to create an ideal you know, journey. Oh, oh, oh. It was almost like, he just nailed it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Killed it. Killed even,
1: it. even the, even the sample. What's the sample he
0: used? Fix up Look Sharp. Yeah. Yeah. It was a sample. Uh, for big it. Beat, big big Billy Squire.
1: Yeah. Like, I remember Fusion turning around to me, he goes, I've just heard the next Dizzy single. They ain't going to be ready for this yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And when
0: that came through, it was like, yeah, Yo, yeah. he yeah. used the break. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It was, it was, it was incredible, man. Incredible. So, but, yeah, now shout out to to Dizzy and the crew mm. uh and yeah, still out there. We still go out there, smash the festivals, and I think on 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 a live level, like he can't he can't be touched no. because he's probably the only artist that has that catalog, yeah, from yeah the old Graham stuff from the early two thousands into mm. the first album into into everything else. The only other person I think was is streets. No, 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 not even. Not Ralf, even. He doesn't yeah, have so. the catalogue. And and also when I say... When, uh, yeah, when, that when album, say, that's right. You're absolutely right. No, no disrespect, album, yeah, no, yeah, disrespect to Mike. Do you know what I mean? Definitely done his thing. But the range yeah. of hits, so you can have like... Plus three albums, more. Yeah, so something like Bonkers. Mm. Like, everyone mm. knows that tune. That's part of the, the British Institute mm. almost. <laughs> but then you can have, you know, we'll do this tune, like stop that. Which is just like some grimy, essentially underground shit. Or then he can have a song like Dance With Me, Calvin Harris, Hands In The Air. Yeah, yeah. It transcends eras. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it transcends eras and emotions and vibe all done with top-notch skill. That must be a pleasure as a DJ too. It is. It's it's a total pleasure because, like, I only ever wanted to work with people I really respected. And obviously, like, Rodney, you know, uh, genius in his field... Dizzy, just—he doesn't have days off. He, like I said, he's the most focused person I know, and and to work with him is is a pleasure. And I think we have like a mutual respect for each other. And yeah, he's a lovely guy, man. And like I said, he's one of my favorite rappers. Mm. Like I am a fan. Mm. Before mm. I worked with him, I was a fan, and mm. I, and I still am. Mm-hmm. You know, like I say him and Cass is dead are like my two favorite MCs. Big up Cass is dead. Good people again, yeah. You know what I
1: mean? Um so I, dreams can come true yeah, for baby. real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. And Peter Pan, man, you're looking well, bro. Thank you. Thank you. You're yeah. looking well. Cool, man. He goes to show you that, you know, travelling and being around like minded creative people, you
0: know, yeah just do you know years. what it is? It's it is probably not having the stress of doing a job that I hate. But you hustle that again just a relay, like they all of our,
1: all of our, we we get passed on this this secondhand information of yeah. how you really did it, and if you plug that into new media as well, yeah, yeah, you're off to yeah. the races. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you
0: really set the yeah. hustle. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also, like, it's important, man. Like, just little things, and it sounds corny, but to eat good and to drink lots of water, <laughs> and mm. you know what I mean, and that's how you stay healthy. Otherwise, you know. There's lots of people who are our age who are a mess right now <laughs> yeah. and they're learning the hard way. Yeah. So, yeah, look after yourself. Look already. after yourself. For real. Yeah. That's you know. A bit of advice, so, what's the future? Future. Uh, just keep on. Dare on. I ask? Yeah. I mean, just keep on doing what I love doing. Uh, follow me on the socials and yeah. you'll see for yourself. Yeah. So, on Insta, The Real DJMK, and everything else is DJ MK. There's some guy in America, man, who's got DJ MK and he wants me to give him, I think, a thousand dollars or something, which i refuse to do. So yeah, that's why I'm not DJ MK on, on, uh, on Insta. This is DJ MK. Yes, sir. End of. Yeah, the original. That's yes, right. You get me? You get me.
1: The yeah. lineage explained, we've just explained over the course of a podcast why this is the fide article right here.
0: Yes, sir. My brother. Pleasure. MK Ricky inside the, Thank you. Wicked, wicked. No. Thank
1: you. Yo. Peace. It was so perfect. Yeah, you know what it is. Killer Killer Podcast. We're only doing it like this. It's like a... and subscribe. Exactly. Like and subscribe. Yeah, you don't want to be anywhere else. Where would you want to be? Why would you? All mm-hmm. right. We're out like it was out of fashion, okay? Don't talk to anyone. I wouldn't. Be lucky, people. Enjoy your day. Peace. We're uh, <laughs> <gracious, laughs> <gracious, laughs> I love that man. good.